we started this series. Actually, we started the book of Exodus, I think it's been a couple years now, and we've kind of been popping in and out. Uh, we've watched Moses uh, be born, be put in a river, be rescued, right? Grow up in a palace. Uh, he uh, goes into, uh, 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 you know, hiding and is on the lamb for 40 years. He, he con- uh, is confronted by God at a burning bush and sent back to Egypt to get the rest of the Israelites out of slavery. Uh, the 10 plagues, they cross the Red Sea. They've been hanging out in the most recent chapters that we've been reading in the Sinai Peninsula, right here. And uh, uh, they've actually ended up back at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, as it's referred to in Exodus uh, 20 and, and moving forward, uh, where the, the whole story began. The bush caught on fire right there at Mount Sinai. And, and Moses is, a, is about to go up on the hill and receive what we've been studying here in Exodus 20, the 10 words or the 10 commandments. Now, we... Uh, talked about this last week, but when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he didn't reference one of these specifically. He went to Deuteronomy 6 and he said, well, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. And then you're supposed to love your neighbors, you love yourself. But if you look at the 10, uh, depending on if you're using Travis's numbers or the other numbers, um, <laughs> he numbers them differently. It was just cool. I, I'd never thought of it that way before. But uh, regardless, uh, the first three or four of the commandments all point to that honor of God or that love of God that we're commanded to have in Deuteronomy. And the last six or seven commandments uh, help us understand the rails that we're meant to run on if we're going to love each other. So uh, we're just kind of walking through these one by one. We've learned uh, that the Lord is the Lord our God and we shall have no other gods before him. Is everybody with me on that one? And then we shall not worship any idols. There won't be any distractions in our worship. We won't go earthly with any idols or graven images because we bear the image of God and we are meant to give our image giver (laughs) all of his worship. Uh, We talked about a couple weeks ago that uh, we should not take the Lord's name in vain and this goes beyond us just cussing, right? Please don't take the Lord's name in vain verbally that way, but it it goes beyond that. It, It talks about us bearing the Lord's. Don't bear the Lord's name in vain. And so everyone in here who follows in faith, uh, Jesus has taken his name. That's why we call ourselves Christians. And so as bearers of the name of God or his son, um, we need to honor that name in everything that we do and how we live. Last week we talked about the importance of Sabbath. We've got to rest and reset. And that leads us to where we are now in this, the next commandment. I playfully entitled this sermon, Kids and Murder. I, I think that jumps off the page. But that, that's where we're going uh, as we talk about honoring each other in our families and then not committing murder. Uh, so we're just going to cover those. Here we go. First one. Ready? As we go through these 10 words or these 10 commandments, uh, this one is, uh, is stated like this, uh, and I'll put it in my own words. Make honor your family's highest priority. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that your Lord God is giving you. Anybody quoted this to a kid that was growing up in your household? Anybody, anybody been a kid who had this quoted at them? Yeah, this is a, this is a common reframe in the, in the parent-child relationship. Uh, but fitting... And and you're going to see me. I I, I actually phrase it in the way that I phrase it intentionally. Honor is taught in the home. Honor is meant to exist in every relationship, in the home, outside the home, but it's taught primarily and initially in our homes. As as children, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but your first neighbors were your mom and dad. Like when it talks about us loving our neighbors, neighbor one and two for me, mom and dad, mom first. And then mom and dad. Uh, I grew up in their home. And, and I, I learned much of who I am now at the age that I am now 
from those years that I spent growing up in that house. So no wonder God says to Israel, hey, pay attention to what's going on in your house. Make sure honor exists there because the rest of society hinges on you doing that well. That's why when it says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land and the Lord your God is giving you, it's not talking about your personal longevity in life. It's talking about, hey, as, as you do this right in the home, it'll be done uh, right in society. And society, the Israeli culture, the Israeli people will continue to live in the land as I have deemed them to. But it starts in the home. It starts with our first neighbors. And so we, we have to be meticulous, careful, uh, you know, uh, diligent as parents and as children to, to seek to bring honor, as husbands and as wives, to seek to bring honor to the relationships that exist in our home. When we leave things out, things could go astray. I uh, had the opportunity this past uh, week to put together a new bed for our, our, my, my bedroom. With, uh, Eleanor ordered a new bed frame that is, it, it, it's too much information, but there's drawers and it's cool. Anyway, but of course it has to be assembled. Right? It comes in a box and you got to look at the instructions and figure out where everything goes. I, I, I think we did it pretty well, babe. I think it's pretty good. But has anybody gotten to the end of the process and uh, found that you still have parts left over? Yeah. Oh, good. You're, you're, you're doing it right then. I, I do that all the time because I kind of look at the instructions. Is anybody with me? And I kind of, you know, put everything where it looks like in the picture it's supposed to go. Uh, and then I just put everything back, put the bed on top, make the bed and all that kind of stuff. And then I look at the, oh, there's more screws. I wonder where those were supposed to go. I think a lot of times people kind of come to the Christ life like that. They, they look at the book. They look at the things that we're supposed to do. And they get the general gist of how this family is supposed to operate and function. But then they, they get sloppy and they just miss a few screws here and there. Uh, they, they discipline their children out of anger instead of out of their own good. Uh, as, as children, they, they listen to the culture that says, rebel and dishonor your parents. And, and they forget to, to bring the home what it is meant to have. I'm talking about the family because as you move forward in the scripture and, and this particular command gets referenced, it's almost always sandwiched around or sandwiched in a bunch of other commands that pertain to the other relationships in the home. If you go to Ephesians chapter five, there's a whole big chunk in there about marriage. Wives, respect your husbands. Husband, love your wives. And then it says in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents. Do you know what it says in Ephesians 6, 4? I'll tell you. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Hey, fathers, mothers included in that. Honor your kids in how you parent them. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The proverb says, raise up a child in the way that he should go, right? Commands are littered, scattered throughout our scriptures. Uh, Mandating honor in all the family relationships. This might be a good time to pause and be thankful that we aren't living in the age that this commandment was initially uh, um, given in. In the Old Testament, if you controverted some of the commands, uh, it came at a high price. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, it says this, if a man has a stubborn, by the way, this, this is a great little scripture to put on your kid's lunch bag as he goes to school. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and, and though they discipline him, so it's over a time, it's not a first offense, but though they discipline him, he will not listen to them, uh, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives and they shall say to the elders of his city, 
This, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. He eats everything in sight and comes home just slammed all the time. Won't obey us. And so some of you think, well, you need to ground that kid. You need to, you need to take his phone away. No, this is what they do back in the old covenant. Then the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. And in doing so, they shall purge evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. Uh, anybody hearing and fearing if you're living back then? All you'd have to do is say, remember what Moses said, keep messing around, I'll take you to the elders. Gratefully, we live in an age of grace but we shouldn't think that grace erases the seriousness with which God wants us to approach his commands. Remember we talked about this last week. When God gives a command, a command it's for our protection, our provision, and so that we can most emulate him in his character. And so these are God's priorities for his created. He, he wants us to honor him in these things, so much so that you would pay with your life if you dishonored him uh, back in the old covenant. Let me give some definitions to some of the terms. When we talk about honor, it's the Hebrew word kaved. Everybody say kaved. And kaved is the actual word for weight in the scripture. It means to give weight to or to give glory to. When you would um, you know, use money back in those days, you didn't have credit cards, certainly, and, and you didn't have bills and coins. You basically had uh, measurements of precious ores. So a shekel was a certain weight of silver. It wasn't a name of a coin. It was a name of a, a weight drachmas, all of these things. If, if you wanted to pay half a shekel, you know what you do? You'd get uh, the guy at the desk to give you his hammer and a chisel and you'd cut your coin in half and you'd give him a half shekel because it wasn't the coin itself. It was the weight of the precious metal. And so, so it is that when we come to this word chaved in the scriptures and we say weight, we're talking about giving weight to someone. Honor is, 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 is taking seriously. Like we just honored our veterans and the current military men, right? And I, I didn't look out to see anybody, you know, who's like, ah. everybody was clapping. It was right for us to do so for the sacrifice that they're making. Are you with me? Is anybody with me? Yep. Well, that'll make the sermon go quicker. I'm glad. All right. Um, so the question then becomes, how do we bring honor to the relationships that we have in our homes? How, we, how do we teach our kids to honor us as parents? How do we honor each other as husbands and wives? How do we as parents honor our kids as we parent them? Well, there's probably lots of things we could say here, but I'm going to narrow it down to a couple. Actually, three. A couple three, as we say where I'm from in name. Reverence, obedience, and service, if that pertains. Obedience is something you do if you're a kid and you're still under the authority of your parents. Service is something you do if you're a, a, a child still, but you've aged out of that authority realm. And then finally, gratitude. So reverence, obedience or service, and Gratitude. Reverence is a word uh, that basically means deep respect, taking seriously. When we have rever reverential treatment, we're, 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 we're not just kind of being flippant. We're taking seriously the, the person that we're, we're dealing with. Uh, when it comes to ch children with parents uh, and any of the relationships of the home, those relationships are meant to be revered, honored in such a way that they're special, set apart. There's a, a deep respect, that's what's intoned in that word of reverence. Um, 
we were cleaning out the drawers as we were moving a bunch of furniture and, and uh, different things the other day. And, and so I have this one drawer that's kind of my catch-all drawer. Does anybody have that drawer? Like all the manuals from everything I buy get thrown in there and never looked at again. I think I had like six cell phones. Does anybody have all your old cell phones and their covers? Uh, uh, you know, just a bunch of stuff. But then there was this like packet of papers. And then that packet of papers, I had like birthday cards that my kids had made for me uh, when they were, you know, 10, 11, and 12. And I actually found this, this one uh, report by my son, Ben. Uh, he wrote this as a seventh grader. Um, and it was a, a, an essay or whatever uh, about a, his, his hero. And uh, in this, I will forever have the reverence of my son. Because he chose me. My dad is my hero. Um, he says, when most kids th- think of heroes, they, they probably think of Superman or, or someone like that. Me, I think of my dad. Uh, this is funny. He says, in today's age, it's very hard to find a stable hero. <laughs> Our news magazines and the internet are full of horror stories of athletes and celebrities who uh, are given over to drinking and drugs and I don't know what that word is, and dog fighting. Apparently, he wrote this during the age of Michael Vick. He actually, he actually says so. Michael Vick, I'm looking at you. You wrote that in parentheses. <laughs> it would almost seem as though a, a true hero uh, has disappeared off the face of the earth. There's just no more true heroes. But my dad is not any of those things. He's my hero. He, he will listen to me if I'm having difficulties in my life. And, and he'll listen all the while offering only, he, he popped in the word sage, 13-year-old Ben, way to go all the while offering sage advice to help me through my struggles. He goes on and he writes a few more paragraphs that this father will treasure forever in his heart. And, and what makes us uh, revisit these kinds of things 13 years after they were written? The reverence, the, the, the deep respect, the taking seriously that should happen in all of our family relationships. So there's reverence, there's obedience. If you're growing up in a parent's house, there should be first-time obedience. Like not question, 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 maybe obey. But just if your parents ask you to obey, just, just do it. In fact, the only time you can disobey your parents is if your parents ever command something that God forbids or forbid something that God commands. Everybody get that? That's the only time that you can respectfully disobey your parents. But otherwise... The answer is yes. Now what's the question? Obedience uh, later in life turns into service. Lots of us are of an age right now as adults, if our parents are still living, we get that totally. Like, like my mom is uh, gonna be moving in with us at the beginning of December. She's gonna become a snowbird and spend the winter months with us. And so she's living in Cleveland right now with my sister and uh, she says, hey, you know, is it okay if I come down? I'll be driving down. I was like, you're gonna be driving down. Uh, I'm going to be driving down with you, mom. I'll fly up there and spend that uh, drive down just to make sure you get here. Mom's sleepy. Anyway, uh, I I do that not because I feel like I have to. I feel like I get to, and it's a way for me to say to my mom, I love you, let me serve you. She's no longer mandating my life. I'm a grown-up. But she still receives uh, my honor as I seek to honor her by serving her. Obedience is just demanded service. (laughs) And then finally, gratitude. Come on, parents out there. Anybody like hearing the words, thank you? Man, that just feels great. 
Because most of the time, especially in the teenage years, kids just come and put the hand out. That means 20 bucks, whatever, right? Just, I need gas money. I need to get my hair cut. I need, I need, I need. And they take and take and take. And we all did it, just so we're all clear. Some of you are parents, yeah, those stinking kids. You were a stinking kid sometime yourself. Everybody does it. It's the condition of a sinful self. It's a condition of, of, of our hearts to just think of ourselves and, and, and not care, to, to self-actuate and to push against the boundaries uh, that our parents are uh, given uh, to us for. Uh, my, my favorite thing uh, that my kids in their mid-20s now gives to me is, is a thank you after I take them out for a steak dinner. You know, they'll get in the car and usually one of them will remember, never the same one. But one of them will remember, and then it's, you know, just chirps, you know, following that. Oh, yeah, Dad, thanks. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah, 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 thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And even if it comes prompted like that, it still lands as honor in my heart. Reverence, obedience or service, gratitude. These are the things that we need to give. I'm going to skip over to the, to the next uh, a little bit there, Chris. Um, why, why do we honor our parents? There's three reasons. The first one is this. We honor our parents because it's what we do if we want to look like Jesus. If we want to look like Jesus, guess what uh, comes with it? Honoring our parents. You know why? Jesus did that. Paul uh, says this in Ephesians 6 as he reiterates this commandment. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. A little different from Exodus, right? Obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because this is right. How is it right? Well, it's right in that you are in Christ and Christ is in you and this is who Christ is. He is a submitter. He is someone who understands authority, his heavenly fathers, and as he was living here on earth, his earthly parents, and he submitted to them. How do I know? It says in Luke chapter two, and he went down. This is after he went to the temple. Remember they lost him and they, you know, where were you? Uh, but he, he, he's, they find him finally. He says, I'm about my father's work. But even then, he doesn't stay. His mother and father says, no, you're coming back to Nazareth with us. And it tells us this. He went down with them, down from Jerusalem to the home that he had, Nazareth. And he was what? Did you go home? Is anybody here? He was what? Submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in his heart. Of course she did. She had an obedient kid. Son of God as well, but... Uh, we honor our parents because it's who Jesus is. It's how we become like him. We also honor our parents and honor each other in our families because it pleases Jesus when we do so. Look at what it says in Colossians. It says, children, obey your parents and everything. For what? For this pleases the Lord. We want to look like him. We want to worship and obey him and please him. But here's the, the greatest reason. When we do well in the home... Things, as we've already mentioned, can go well in the world that we're in. Yeah. Honor is what we do to provide for human flourishing. Starts in the home, first neighbors, but then it spills out of those homes and into the relationships that we have at work and school and with our neighbors. Uh, we learn it and then we show it and give it in the relationships that we have. Like I said earlier, if we honor our father and mother, it will go well in the land. And if you look at the, Israel, uh, the history of Israel, <laughs> it didn't always go well in their land. In fact, did you know uh, that in just a matter of hundreds of years, uh, the, their story is going to go from emancipation back into slavery? 
They get freed from Egypt, but then they're so reckless and rebellious against their uh, earthly fathers and their heavenly father uh, that the Israelites are uh, uh, just taken, uh, taken into captivity and, and removed from the promised land. So whether you're a child or a parent or a husband or a wife, um, it's crucial that in our roles in our home, we seek to instill honor above all. Honor to God first, obviously. Love the Lord your God. But then love each other. Honor each other. Make honor your highest priority. You know, a good place to start in showing your family members honor is to not to kill them. So that's my segue into this next thing. Where we get the second uh, commandment we're coming in today. It's actually the shortest of the commandments. It's only two Hebrew words and it's rendered like this uh, where we talk about murdering no more. In verse 13 it says, uh, Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. Like I said, two Hebrew words, lo ratzak. Just not murder. It's an implied command. Hey, don't kill people. Now, some of you have Bibles where that's the translation, thou shalt not kill. Um, I think murder is a better word here for ratzak because um, killing is, is unfortunately uh, something that happens sometimes in life, but it, it doesn't cross the line into murder. When I think of murder, I think of um, uh, those acts or uh, deeds that unjustly take an innocent life. So cold-blooded murder, calculated murder, planned murder manslaughter where you didn't go into that situation intending to, to, to kill anyone but you get so fired up or so angry or manslaughter occurs involuntary manslaughter heaven forbid anybody in here imbibes uh too strongly you know period but then imbibes and gets in a car and slams into somebody uh, and that person that's slammed into loses their life that, those are all uh, uh infractions they are uh, controversions of this command but I don't believe that murder, and you're going to hear some of your pastor's positions here, I don't believe that murder extends to self-defense. If you are trying to keep from being murdered, uh, you can exert force and, and, and have the result be the end of someone else's life. Self-defense, that also applies to our military on this day that we celebrate our veterans. I think uh, war, military defense of a country's people and citizenship is uh, ordained in scripture. In fact, there's often times that God uh, takes Israel and directs Israel into war or into defense of their country. And, and these are things that um, are, are allowed uh, and are not seen as murder by the scriptures. I would also uh, agree with those who think that capital punishment is uh, permissible uh, according to the scriptures, it says in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood has come uh, and, and God is reinstituting uh, his commands for mankind, he says, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And he gives us a little hint there or a sense there as to why this, this uh, is, is such an egregious thing and, and, and worthy of a capital punishment. When you take the life of another, you are taking the life of an image bearer of God. Someone who God created for himself so that he would bear his image and would give him the glory that he is due. And when you remove that person from the earth, uh, you're taking from God himself. We live in a world that consistently trivializes this command. I mean, our entertainment, our video games, everything. I don't have time to go into all the statistics, but you know, by the time our kids grow up uh, you know, and leave our houses, they've seen a lot of murder. <laughs> it's what we entertain ourselves with. And, and this has kind of uh, hardened our, our, our culture uh, in, in this area. 
to where we uh, um, have, have, have made murder legal. I, I believe that uh, when uh, someone chooses to take the life of an unborn child, it's a violation of this command. Abortion is murder. I believe that life begins at conception and that uh, God knits us together in our parents, or our parents, our mom's womb. And so to end a life uh, before that life has a chance uh, to, to be lived is, is unjustly taking the life of an innocent. Now we get into things like euthanasia. What does God say about that? Again, I believe God is the life giver and God will be the life ender. Now that doesn't mean that I don't uh, believe in, in things like termination of treatment. We live in an age where you can keep someone alive on machines forever. Uh, but if it's been determined as a family that a loved one uh, has a DNR or any of those things and, and you come to the point where you believe that it's time for God to just do what he's going to do in this person's life, it's okay to terminate treatment, but it's not okay to terminate life. Uh, I could get into things like suicide, which is heartbreaking and, and, and so difficult, but it's it, I hope we all understand this. We don't want people to do that. Why? Because it's outside of God's will for the living to take their own lives. Now, at first glance, most of us read this command and say, well, of the 10, I've got this one down. I mean, I might break some of the other ones a little bit, but I certainly have never killed anyone that I know of. And so, you know, Let's go on to the other ones and work on those. You know, check that box. Well, I need to take you to where Jesus talks about this command and maybe you'll, uh, like me, understand that everybody in here is guilty of murder. Oh, good. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is um, reconstructing the law for his listeners, saying a lot of, of this. You've heard it said, but I say to you. He, he says this in verse 21 of uh, Matthew 5. He says, you've heard it said... Uh, to those of old, you shall not murder. He's basically quoting Exodus 20, 13. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, and he uses the same phrase, equating anger with murder will be liable to judgment. He says, whoever insults his brother out of anger will be liable to the council. We already read in the uh, verses about the, the, the rebellious son, what happens when you go see the council, right? Not good stuff. And whoever says you fool, that's the Aramaic word, racha. Whoever calls someone a fool in anger will be liable to the hell of fire. It's something you gotta come to terms with. Murder doesn't happen here. I mean, it does, right? When we think of murder, we usually think of a pulled trigger or a swung knife or a, a choke, right, of some kind. But murder doesn't start here. Murder starts here. It finds its root in our hearts. It becomes a thought in our mind, and if we aren't careful, it becomes an act of our hands, but it starts here. If you go back to the very first murder, it's between two brothers, and it had its origin in a worship service. Cain and Abel were both giving, you know, sacrifices to God to show that, you know, they adored him. And, and Cain's was just not as appreciated as, as Abel's was. 
And so Cain took this as an offense, and he took all of his embarrassment and envy out on his brother, and in anger, he plotted his revenge. Remember, it says there in Genesis chapter 4 that God comes to him and says, why are you so angry? He didn't say, why are you so murderous? He says, why are you so angry? He says, sin is crouching at your door, man. You've got you've to come up against it. You've got to fight against these urges in you. They're, they're wrong, and they're going to lead to more wrong. If you know the story, that's... Exactly what happened. And I would uh, submit this to you, that every murder since has started here, whether over a long period of time or in an instant. That anger, that hatred, that envy, that revenge just wells up in us. And so as uh, most of the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthews 5, 6, and 7 teaches us, We've got to deal with what's going on in the heart. John says this in his first epistle. He says, everyone who hates his brother is a what? So everyone on the Republican side who hates the Democrats is a murderer. And everyone on the Democrat side who hates the Republicans or our president for the last however many months he's got is a murderer. And everyone who goes on to perpetuate those messages of hate and disdain are murderers. Does everybody get that? And so you go to your homes and you sit in here and you nod your head as I preach, honor your father and mother, but you go to your house and you dishonor your father and mother. You get angry at your father and mother. You hold hatred in your heart towards your father and mother or towards your kid. You're not just in violation of commandment, three or four, whichever way you're counting, but you're also in violation of this command not to murder. So, stop doing that is the command. You shall not murder with your hands or in your heart. But as almost all of these commands go, whether they're prohibitive commands, thou shalt not, or um, positive commands, remember the Sabbath, honor your father and mother. Uh, The inverse is true. We're not just supposed to not murder. We're supposed to promote life. Anybody remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That is a great story, not just of, of, of grace and mercy and love, but it's a great story of supporting life. Do you know what it says about the Good Samaritan? He was half dead. At risk of dying. He wasn't just being hyperbolic, I think. In the story, as Jesus tells that parable, he's saying, listen, this guy was almost dead. And so good on, good Sam. Good Sam comes and provides, but he saves a life. And that's our mission, to preserve and save life. Not just not murder, promote Life, wherever God gives us opportunity. He speaks to it in the verses that follow his explanation there in Matthew chapter five. This is what he says. He says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, there's anger, there's hatred and, and division, there's death in your relationships. Don't just stop, oh, okay, I promise I won't do that again. No, don't just stop bringing death to your relationships. Go and actively bring life to those relationships. Resuscitate those relationships by leaving your gift at the altar and going to those people where death has come and restoring to life that relationship. Be reconciled to your brother or to your sister. And then come to church and offer your gift. You know what he's saying? He's saying if you live in anger and envy and hatred and revenge, you live a life that is hamstrung as far as it goes in worshiping your God. It limits you. 
Go take care of what's broken. Bring life to what's been dead. He goes on, he says this. He says, that first illustration of of leaving the altar and going, it's like, listen, even if, (laughs) the implication is, even if they were the offender and things aren't right, you go to them. You seek to bring reconciliation, even if it wasn't all your fault. But this one, this is where it is all your fault. Who's ever been the dirtbag that brought a relationship down to a, you know, to a grinding halt? Anybody been that dirtbag? No dirtbags in the room? Okay, that's fine. I'll be the dirtbag. Everybody's done it. You've all said in, in angry, uh, you know, uh, with angry hearts, the words that have, have brought division. Everybody does it. You know what it says? Uh, here's Jesus' warning to you. He says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Did, did everybody see who the accuser is? The other person. Who's the offender? You. <laughs> come quickly to terms, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. And truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Here, here's what Jesus is basically saying in parabolic form. He's saying, listen, it is better for you even as the jerk to go and make things right because the longer you let this go, the more it's going to cost you. Go now. Make haste and bring healing. I say this all the time over the years that I've been preaching. Anger and revenge and, and, and hatred are these potions that we pour and we hope the other person, the one that we are angry with, the one that we hate, the one that we're vengeful towards, we hope that they'll drink this potion, but it really is just something that we drink over and over and over again ourselves, and it, it crushes us. It crushes our relationship with the person. It brings death where there's meant to be life, and God's word says, not just in Exodus 20, but over and over again, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So now, as we finish this sermon on kids and murder, Let's go from here, bringing honor to our homes. Let honor reign in our marriages. Let honor reign in our parenting as we seek to honor God by raising these kids up in the way that they should go. Let honor reign in our hearts as kids. If we're in the home, let's obey and be reverent and, and, and let's be grateful. But even as adults, let's seek to serve those that God has given us in our family. And then as part of that, let's be careful not to let anger bring death to our relationships. In fact, if, if death exists right now in any relationship that you have, whether it was your doing or theirs, here's my simple prayer. Would you look at me for 20 seconds and then I'll pray and we'll go home. My simple prayer for you as my brothers and sisters is that you would be free from the death that anger and hatred and revenge has brought. And that you, I don't know who it is. God's telling you probably right now as I'm talking to you who that person is that you need to go to as soon as this is done and text that message that's gonna begin that conversation that will bring the life back to that relationship. But here's the deal. I know it's easy to come to church and just kind of leave and nothing happens. And I'm telling you right now, the longer I've preached this couple services, the more I am certain of this. The spirit wants to do a work in the death that exists in our families, in our relationships, and he wants to bring life, and it starts with you and me doing what's necessary to make that happen. So may God give you the grace, courage, words to begin the healing. 
in the relationships that have experienced death because of your anger and your revenge. All right, I think that's all I got. Will you stand with me? We'll close in prayer. Lord, I I stand in this room with uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We share this spiritual family that has been given us uh, through your son, Jesus. Um, uh, And we we come here on a weekly basis here in this room or online to be reminded of your truth, of uh, the commands that you have for us in life so that we might um, be protected by you and be provided for through you and, and we might become more like you in our character. And so, God, as, as we read today about honor and about life, uh, bringing life uh, where death has, has been present, help us to walk from here into, uh, you know, the next phases of our day and week and, and seek to honor you in these commands. Start in our homes, God. Uh, make us honorers of each other, parents, children, husbands, wives. Uh, and then, and then move uh, into our other relationships, into all of our re- relationships, and, and just remind us of God of, of the importance of uh, um, coming against the anger that would bring death to those relationships. If, uh, if, if a relationship needs the paddles, help us to resuscitate and bring that relationship back to life. At least do our part. We're responsible to uh, and not for. We know that, but, but help us to at least have the courage to do what we can. Um, Thanks for continuing to preserve us in this age where things are kind of weird. Uh, you are so good and so gracious to us, God. And as we sang your praises this morning, I was reminded of the truth that you are with us. And because you are with us and will not forsake us, we have more than enough to fight the battles that are going on around us. Grant us, God, that reminder every day. I pray in Jesus' name. And the body of Christ said, Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Keep the commandments and see God work in your life. Till next time. Peace.